Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the uh, opening day baseball for the Red Sox. Uh, looking at some uh, focused uh, narratives on uh, what 14 could end up being. Um, looking a little bit more at the Lamar Jackson situation because it's been rumored that the Patriots are out. And also looking at potentially the issues between uh, Belichick and Robert Kraft and what that could be in terms of the roster and, um, you know, the future for these guys. So let's get started. So I want to start with opening day, which uh, took place. And um, the Red Sox played the Baltimore Orioles in the opening day game. They lost 10-9. to and um, due to the pitch clock, um, the new rules put in place to kind of speed things up in the world of baseball, Rafael Devers was the first man to strike out um, because of the uh, rule changes that they made. Um, he is, um, you know, the first player um, to have to deal with that. Um, and so and so they ended up losing uh 10 to 9. Uh, Gibson got the win. Corey Kluber got the loss. Uh, but Batista got the save. For the Red Sox, Devers had an RBI with two hits. Two hits for Turner and an RBI. Uh, Yoshida had two hits and one RBI. Uh, Duvall had one hit and one RBI. Tristan Cass had two RBIs. Christian Royo had uh, a hit and two RBIs. Um, Reese McGuire had one hit. Um, and, uh, Justin Turner struck out once, Adam Duvall stu- struck out twice, uh, Tristan Cass, Christian Arroyo, Connor Wong, and Hernandez struck out once. Um, Cedric Mullins had one hit and one uh, RBI. Uh, Adlai Rutschman had five hits, four RBIs, and one home run. He was the big winner in this game. Uh, Mount Mountcastle had one hit, one RBI. Uh, Urias had two hits, two RBIs, and uh, Mateo had one RBI. Um, Kluber pitched uh, only three innings, um, and then Zach Kelly came in to finish an inning. Uh, Brazier played one, Ort did two, Winkowski had one, and uh, Chris Martin finished it off with one. We didn't get uh, our first um, Kenley Jansen sighting. Uh, at this point, um, maybe because uh, it wasn't a position to put him in the game, I guess. Um, and so baseball has been trying to speed things up in a lot of ways because baseball is really the only sport out there that has no set time limit. When it comes to football, it's four quarters and there's a time limit. When it comes to basketball, there's four quarters uh, and there's a time limit, like 12 minutes per quarter so it's something that's a finite time frame obviously injuries can stop things and timeouts and you know all sorts of stoppages of play but it's pretty finite whereas baseball is nine innings but the third inning could take an hour because you know you score seven runs you know so it's always been a situation where baseball has been um a lot longer and it has caused for um fans to uh, at least uh, kind of grow out of uh, interest because of 
the sort of uh, situation of it all. And um, unfortunately for uh, a lot of fans uh, these days, they don't watch it as much uh, as they would like to because it's just way too long. And I know for me, I haven't really watched a full like Red Sox game in a long time just because the the whole uh, you know situation is uh, it's just way too long and not worth it. And so they will be playing the Orioles two more times on Saturday, Sunday, followed by Pittsburgh and then uh, at Detroit and then going to Tampa Bay. And so we will be seeing those games. Uh, and now the season is going to start. Um, many believe the Red Sox will be in either fifth or fourth place in the American League East. I say they're going to be in fourth place. Uh, I don't know exactly um, how far um, between fourth and third place they'll be. But they don't look that great, obviously, with their roster. Uh, if you look at their pitchers, obviously, Chris Sale, Corey Kluber are both in the back half of their careers, for sure. Uh, Pavetta is average at best. And then, you know, you have a uh, cavalcade of um, other players filling in as starting pitchers and relievers and not the greatest. The relief pitching is definitely better, especially because of everything that took place in the offseason. But in terms of your, your roster of lineup players, it's not really much to be uh, desired. And outside of Devers, Hernandez, and Yo Yoshida, there's not much going on. Verdugo uh, is there, uh, but Tristan Cast is still a work in progress. He's a young guy. Reese McGuire was uh, probably just going to be like the Sandy Leone of the Red Sox now, where he's just kind of a journeyman who comes here and plays a little bit and nothing special but fills your spot uh christian arroyo i'm still not 100 percent a fan of and hopefully story can get back sooner rather than later and then you have your outfield which uh is verdugo du duval and yoshida um and then justin turner at dh which um you know i like justin turner but again his his better days have been uh behind him so um unfortunately i just don't see uh any sort of situation in which uh, we win, um, win right out the, uh, you know, the whole uh, uh, American League East. But there is a chance that uh, we could uh, eventually, um, you know, get back to our winning ways, which it has taken uh, a little bit of a while um, to do. And, uh, you know, we're still kind of trying to to figure out our situation and, you know, everything going on. Um, so, you know, that's something to, to talk about. So now I want to switch gears and talk about the Lamar Jackson situation because apparently uh, there are rumors now that the Patriots will not pursue um, Lamar Jackson. And uh, apparently uh, his future is unknown, but... Uh, doesn't sound like they are going to do that. Now, earlier in the week, uh, Robert Kraft was uh, told by uh, Meek Mill that uh, Lamar Jackson wanted to be a Patriot. And uh, Kraft told the reporters this and said that this is Bill Belichick's decision. Um, and it wasn't a situation where he said, yeah, we're not going for him. We still have Mac Jones. But he did say, yes, um, 
it's up to Bill Belichick. He's the head coach. Um, but uh, I was listening to uh, sports radio this morning, Greg Hill, and they were talking about how maybe Robert Kraft was in on it and maybe Belichick was not. Um, Belichick isn't interested um, because of, I'm sure, a lot of different reasons. Um, and if Lamar Jackson is actually interested in coming to the uh, Patriots, I think that would be a great upgrade for uh, the team. Uh, but it sounds like, for the time being, the Patriots are probably going to be out on Lamar Jackson. Um, and I think that's uh, a lot to do with Belichick. And, um, you know, this is the situation. Uh, Belichick really didn't say too much on it. Uh, they talked about it this week, and he was like, I'm not going to talk about other players on other teams. Um, and when people kept asking him, he said, period, like, this is how I feel, and we're not going to talk about this. Um, and so I think we're going to kind of switch gears for a second, but kind of tail end, bring this uh, to something which could be sort of the butting heads of Robert Kraft and uh, Bill Belichick, sort of the um, back and forth that could be taking place um, in terms of, you know, the team and some of the, um, the stuff that has taken place. Um, and, uh, it sounds like there could be some, some issues between, uh, him and Bill Belichick. Um, and so there was an article posted, uh, a few days ago, uh, with Tom Curran, uh, talking about, uh, what they kind of got from the NFL owners meeting. Uh, in Arizona, which covered uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, Kraft stressed a need for improvement. And I think after the way this season has gone, Kraft is not 100% happy. And obviously he's not happy with how Matt Patricia ran the team on offense and how Belichick kind of let this happen. And I honestly think that going back to when Tom Brady was here and sort of the whole... Belichick, uh, Brady conundrum with Jimmy Garoppolo and everything going on with that kind of rubbed Kraft the wrong way, but I think he was fine keeping Belichick and letting him run the team because of the success and what he's done and how he's made great decisions. And at the end of the day, I think when it's all said and done, Robert Kraft in any situation probably would have, uh, if it came down to it, taken Tom Brady over. Bill Belichick, and I think that's because of the nature of the relationship that they have, which Kraft and Belichick probably have a uh, work relationship, whereas it felt like Brady's relationship with Kraft was more father-son, and um, all of that led to um, eventually Tom Brady leaving, which I don't know if Kraft has any sort of uh, bad blood about it, I don't know if he feels like Brady should have stayed with the Patriots forever, and there could have been a world where Belichick was not the head coach anymore and Tom Brady finished his whole career in New England. And, you know, if Kraft had been like, you know what, you want to stay, uh, we'll get you a head coach that you want. And, you know, I think it could have been arranged if it really happened that way. But, um, you know, Brady moved on, which he was entitled to do. And Belichick is still here. And maybe now, after this season... You know, it's 
not great for the Patriots. Uh, and Kraft sees that, and maybe he's upset with how things went, especially because Mac Jones was a Pro Bowl quarterback his first year. He had Josh McDaniels as an offensive coordinator. Then you go from McDaniels, who's top five offensive coordinator, to Matt Patricia, who's terrible. And now you have Bill O'Brien, which obviously I felt like uh, you had to go out there and get someone, and I think Kraft felt like they had to get someone. So I think there's a lot of butting heads here. Um, and, you know, I think uh, both of these guys have been kind of butting heads when it comes to the recent stuff that's been taking place, um, you know, with this team. Um, and you got to figure that uh, Robert Kraft wants the best for his team. And I think Robert Kraft is one of the catalysts behind Patriots getting a first-round wide receiver because, in theory, he has seen what this team has done with their wide receivers. And I think also what Kraft probably realizes, which might not be the case before, is that Mac Jones is not Tom Brady. So he's going to need weapons. He's going to need guys to help him. There are some quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees that can make wide receivers better and can work with anything. But then you got Mac Jones and you got other guys out there who aren't on that level. And they're not Patrick Mahomes. And you saw what Patrick Mahomes did last year with a bunch of different wide receivers. Uh, you know, the amount of uh, talent uh, was uh, not as high uh, as it was with Tyreek Hill, but still made it work. But I think Kraft wants this team to be better and he wants this team to, to win. And you don't have the security blanket of Tom Brady to get you through all of the issues. You're going to have to deal with what they have. And I think Kraft wants a wide receiver so he can go out there and win. And, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and Kendrick Bourne and company, you know, that's great. Uh, but you need somebody else. And I don't know how Kraft feels about the draft last year with Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton. I mean... He probably respects Bill enough to let him make those decisions, but at the end of the day, he might be a little concerned that we drafted two guys in the first and second round that were projected lower than any of that. And if you had gotten Cole Strange in the second round, people would be like, I can understand that. If you had gotten Taekwon Thornton in the third round or fourth round, then you'd be like, yeah, I can understand that. But when you overpaid for someone who was probably going to be there, Unless Bill Belichick knew something about Cole Strange that other people did not know. Um, like, it didn't really make a ton of sense. But I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, butting heads at the end of the day, you know. And, uh, you know, Robert Kraft, this is uh, according to Tom uh, Curran on this NBC Sports article. Uh, Robert Kraft the previous year criticized the Patriots drafting saying it needs to be better then he follows up in 2022 after a 2021 playoff appearance and says I want a playoff win yet the team made a decision uh, in Mac Jones second year as a quarterback after a promising rookie year in which Bill Belichick said he made drastic improvements in the offseason and decided to strap him to an offense in which he was probably more suited to be professor than the guys who were teaching him uh, so I think there's a lot of butting heads when it comes to this sort of thing. And so it's 
a situation where I feel like eventually one of two things is going to happen. Number one, uh, Bill Pelichick's going to leave on his own because he's not going to be happy with the decisions being made and he's not going to be happy with Kraft down his throat. And so he's going to leave on his own. He's going to make that decision. Number two is going to be Robert Kraft basically nudging him out the door. And if it's not, you know, Belichick leaving on his own, it'll be, you know, Kraft kind of nudging him in that direction. Because Bill Belichick has given the Patriots so much, there is no worldly uh, situation where they fire him. Like, it's not going to be Robert Kraft going into his office saying, you're done, see you later. But the groundwork could be laid for uh, a mutual beneficial parting of ways. Maybe it's a situation in which he decides, hey, this is my last season, and Kraft's like, all right, let's just make this like the last season, go all out, and you can leave and ride into the sunset after a great career with the Patriots. That could happen. And, uh, you know, maybe Robert wanted Lamar Jackson more so than Belichick did, and maybe... He was talking to the media about all this Meek Mill stuff and about everything involving Lamar Jackson because he maybe wanted it. He did say, oh, well, it's Belichick's decision, but he was putting the ball in Belichick's court, maybe saying, hey, let's make this happen, you know. So many people have said the Patriots can be a much better team with um, Lamar Jackson, and I'm not saying they should go for him because personally I think trading two draft picks and spending 40-plus million on Lamar Jackson is kind of stupid. If it was no draft picks, I'd be all on board. But you'd have to give up two first-round picks and then have to sign them to a crazy deal. Uh, it's not worth it to me. So I can understand Kraft wanting an actual quarterback who can do stuff, proven quarterback. But if you give Mac Jones the right offense, then he can make things happen. Josh McDaniels worked. Matt Patricia did. Unfortunately, that was last year's reality. We made a lot of mistakes because... Uh, we had the Ra Raiders game, and there were other games where we made mistakes because of Matt Patricia. And he's not a, an offensive guy. He's a defensive coordinator. And so the Patriots were not that great last year. I think uh, Kraft kind of went to Belichick and said, we got to make some changes. And so they added Adrian Clem to be on the offensive line. They, coach, uh, they added uh, Bill O'Brien, obviously. So Obviously, the Patriots are getting to a spot where they're trying to fill out their coaching roster. But for other teams, you know, that are much better, you know, you have to use what they do and model that after your system. And so, eventually, the butting heads is going to lead to one of the two saying it's time to end this thing. And most likely, it'll be a mutual parting of ways at some point where the Belichick era ends and Kraft moves on to someone else. There was a bunch of um, articles posted about how Kraft was talking about Gerard Mayo potentially being the replacement in the future for Bill Belichick. And I think that is the groundwork being laid because obviously there were offers um, for different coaches out there in New England to go places, and some did. Uh, and Gerard Mayo got a bunch of interviews uh, from teams for a defensive coordinator position or just uh, some sort of linebacker's position or head coaching position or what have you. So many different positions were thrown out there and he didn't really uh, do anything with that, which potentially could mean that there is an opening in the future for the head coach spot. And you have someone who was drafted by New England, played in New England, coached in New England. So 
Gerard Mayo has all of the checked boxes to be the next head coach of the Patriots, and he's an African-American head coach, which the league needs more African-American head coaches. So it sounds like, from what Kraft was saying, he's not going to 100% say it's Gerard Mayo, but he says he's got the qualifications, deservedly so, to be the next head coach of the Patriots. And so who knows exactly what's going to happen there, but Gerard Mayo is still here. This team is, is pretty good, and it was the defense that made us a lot better for sure. So I want to switch gears now and discuss uh, the draft uh, and an article that I saw from Nesson, uh, which looks at um, what they could be doing with the 14th overall pick. Um, so uh, apparently um, Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston said that in the 14th overall pick, um, the team is either going to trade out to land a receiver or a cornerback or draft with the 14th pick a corner or receiver. Um, he believes that the high-end tackle prospects might be gone by New England's picks and that the remaining tackles might not be worthy of a first-round consideration. Um, quote, uh, having conversations with people around the league as of late, the buzz seems to be that we should be focused on the cornerback position and the receiver spot when it comes to the Patriots. Quote, and you may be sitting there saying, well, those are the spots we've already been focused on. Well, there's a position that I'm leaving out for now, and I'll just say that for now. Uh, quote, and it's the tackle spot. And the reason I say that, just a few of the notes that have made their way to me. I'm not sure it's the strongest tackle class, and by the time the Patriots are on the board at 14, who will be available? So, um, the question now comes, what do they do with those picks? But what I also feel like, in my opinion, is that at the end of the day, the top three tackles are going to be off the board because, honestly, outside of those top three, there's no consensus first-round options. And so, the top three teams uh, that go out and get them, those guys, Broderick Jones, Peter Skoronsky, and Paris Johnson, um, those will probably all be gone, especially with the uh, Jets who need a tackle. And if the Jets know the Patriots are interested, they're going to trade um, no 13th overall pick for Aaron Rodgers. They're going to keep that pick and draft a tackle. And so the Patriots will be at the uh, mercy of uh, the uh, wide receiver position or the cornerback position. Now, here's my thoughts on the corners and wide receivers for a second. So when it comes to the wide receivers specifically, Quinnen Johnson, Jackson Smith, Najiba, Jordan Addison, uh, Zay Flowers, if you're looking for one of those guys, most likely trade down. Don't stay at 14, trade down, uh, even if it's trading down a few spots. Like, those guys are going to be there. If Zay Flowers is the guy you want, trade down to the lower half. If you're looking for, like, a Jackson Smith, Najiba, maybe he's the only one I'd say just stay at 14 because he could be off the board by 20 or 24. Um, but if you want a wide receiver besides Jackson Smith and Jeeba, I'd say trade down and even maybe trade down for Najiba, depending on what the, the landscape is. Now for corners, that's a whole different story. I think the top three corners, Davon Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, and Joey Porter Jr. Um, Gonzalez is probably going to be off the board. I think the Falcons or the Eagles, or someone's going to take him. Now, I think Joey Porter Jr. is going to be on the board, 
Witherspoon's a question mark. It depends on where Gonzalez goes and Witherspoon, who knows if he'll be there or not. But if Joey Porter Jr. is on the board, which I think he will be, um, that would be my number one choice. Um, you know, in that 14 spot, uh, Gonzalez would probably be the overall number one, but I just, again, don't think he'll be there. Um, so uh, there is that. And then there's other guys such as Deontay Banks and Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes, I think, is a high second round pick. So if you want him, you can just trade up in the second round to get him. No point in trading uh, into the first or drafting him in the first. Deontay Banks is a question mark. I don't know where he'll end up, depending on how the cornerback teams go. But with the cornerback position, Witherspoon, Gonzalez, and Porter Jr. are probably all going to be off the board by like 20. So you're not going to really get a chance to trade too far down to get any of those guys, if you even have that chance at all. Because Gonzalez and Witherspoon could be off the board by 14 anyways, and then you would just have Porter Jr., who either... Uh, the uh, Washington Redskins or the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers will swipe those guys easy. Um, so, uh, you know, it might make sense to go for Porter Jr. at 14 if you want to go for that. And this also seems like a draft where the Patriots could trade up and have two first-round picks, which they've had two first-round picks before, but... I could see them trading up from the second round to get to the first round. I could see them potentially trading down in the first round and then using the extra picks they grab to add to what they have to trade up again. So it's a draft where there's movement for sure. I think it's possible. So looking at um, where we're at now, I want to finish things off with what I think they could do in terms of a mock draft type situation. So, um, let's get started with this, and I'm going to be honest when I say this, um, this is a perfect, in my opinion, mock draft for the Patriots, and there are some trades, I did uh, a few of those. So, let's get started. So at 14, I have the Patriots going with Joey Porter Jr., because again, cornerback is an important position, they have to go for it, I think he's going to be on the board, and this is as good of a choice as I can get. Joey Porter Jr., perfect for me. Then we have a trade. So we're going to trade with the um, trade with the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're going to take 46 and 76 and move uh, up. And then we're going to do 31 and 122. And so on paper, it's a pretty even swap. So that's why um, I wanted to go with it. And... So we're going to end up moving up to 31 to draft Zay Flowers. Now, Zay Flowers has been on, like, so many different mock draft boards as potentially a top 25 pick. I've seen him in the lower half of the first, seen him in the second round, all uh, over the board. And I have actually seen, which I think it's unrealistic, uh, drafts where he is at 46 taken by the Patriots, which I don't think he'll be there at 46, but he could be there at 26. He could be there at 32. I don't know where he's going to fit in, but at 31, I think he's going to be available. So we're going to trade up to get him basically taking a corner and a wide receiver, which is where these predictions take us. Then we are going to make a trade up. So we're going to trade 97 
uh, and uh, add that to our rotation of picks. We're going to trade 107, 187, and 192 to get to 97. So the reason why we're doing this, we're going to move up in the draft to draft at 97 Jalen Duncan, who's a tackle from uh, Maryland. So I think we have to address our tackle position here. Um, we traded away our third round pick to get in Zay Flowers. So Duncan going right here. I think we fill our three biggest needs right in a row. Then we have pick number 117, which is going to be Zach Harrison, who's a defensive end from uh, Ohio State. Uh, I think we're going to add uh, some defense here because we spent uh, two of our top three picks on offense. Then at pick number 122, we're going to go with J.L. Skinner, who's a safety. We have Jalen Mills, we have Adrian Phillips, we have Kyle Duggar, we have Jabril Peppers. But outside of Kyle Duggar, did any, any of these guys seem like long-term? Probably not. And so I think what's the better decision is going for a safety here. Now, he could be off the board by this point, but I think, you know, 122, that's a good spot for him. Uh, then we have pick 135, which is going to be defensive lineman Carl Brooks. Um, so adding to our defense once again. I like this move. Then we are going to be adding at 184, Nick uh, Broker, who is an offensive lineman. So adding um, another offensive lineman to this core. Um, I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's a guard, if I'm being honest. But he could probably play both positions maybe or learn how to be a tackle if he's not well versed um, and so at 184 that's a pretty solid choice then we have a Clemson tight end at pick 210 Davis Allen so when we basically signed Mike Gusecki there was a part of me that felt like tight end kind of went from a top priority to a minimal priority um, I think we still need a uh, tackle, uh, and that's important, a wide receiver, that's important, cornerback, that's important, but a tight end, maybe not as important. And so I went with one right here in the sixth round for said reason. And I think at this point, you're kind of looking for a blocking tight end. And I don't know if Allen is a blocking tight end, but we'll see. Then we have at pick 245, Michael Turk, who's a punter. So obviously we had it in, uh, Cortman weightless, uh, but... Obviously, um, a punting battle could take place here. And it's not one guy secured the position over another. Um, I think they're still going to try and go for a punter in this draft in hopes that he is younger. Maybe it works out better. A uh, long-term option. Uh, so we're going to go with uh, Turk here. And I don't think any punters are coming off the board. Uh, so this will be a chance to basically get your choice of the best one in your opinion and so if Turk works out that's great if uh, Waitman or Waitless uh, works out then that's uh, great also so we'll have to kind of uh, you know look at the board and see who's available but also go from there um, I do like Jordan Addison and if he was available later in the draft I'd go for him later in the first round I should say because um, he did do um, an interview I saw it uh, with Rich Eisen, um, and he was talking about how he's meeting with the Patriots soon. He already met with them once, but he's meeting with them one-on-one, uh, -on -one. and he was uh, getting 
uh, grilled on a bunch of different questions about Belichick and Patriots. And so then Rich Eisen asked him about what's coming also. And he was like, oh, well, uh, right now all I got is New England. There are other teams that are uh, going to meet with me, but we're just going to talk about New England. So clearly he's interested in coming to New England. And I think all of these wide receivers should want to come to New England because you get to play under a great head coach. You get to have a great owner. And you get basically your shot at being a potential number one wide receiver. So honestly, I've kind of faltered on who I think my wide receiver would be. So I've been Jordan Addison to start. Jackson Smith the Jeeba was uh, someone more recently that I was in favor of. Zay Flowers has proven himself as a Patriots choice. And honestly, right now I'm more on Zay Flowers because they had meetings with him at the BC Pro Day and everything that they've done already. So there's a part of me that feels like maybe he's the right choice. But after hearing what Jordan Addison said, it sounds like he's really invested in the Patriots. And so if he's available um, later, I'd go for him. But if he's not available, which who knows... Um, then uh, I guess we'll kind of just have to figure that out and see what happens. Now, the Patriots could go uh, trade down in the first round uh, a little bit and draft Jordan Addison and then uh, draft Emmanuel Forbes at corner in the second round, high second round, um, if they want to do the wide receiver cornerback thing, but flip-flopped. But I thought Joey Porter Jr. was a great choice at 14, and with a bunch of trades already getting made, I didn't want to keep adding to that because obviously um, there's only so many trades that teams can make. And so the best thing uh, at this point is just to, to go with that and um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, work with uh, the two trades that we had and kind of go in that direction. So um, that's just my own sort of opinion on things. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens.